Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences. So there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Casey trying to match the energy of the crowd that will be in the O2 Arena tomorrow. Early day MMA for us here in the United States. UFC London goes down tomorrow at the O2, the UFC's second trip this year across the pond. And the heavyweights will take center stage as hometown hero Tommy Aspinall returns from a devastating injury to take on the surging Martin Tybora. We got Meatball Molly McCann on the card. This is, uh, it may not be what the last three events have been on paper, but I still think this is a really sneaky card, and maybe I'm alone on this, but we'll see what my my fellow colleagues will have to say about this event on paper as it stands. But thank you for joining us for our live UFC London preview show. I am Mike Hack. Joining me, the wise wordsmith himself, my bald brethren, Shaheen Alshadi. How are you, Shaheen? Oh, yeah. I'm doing great, Mike. I'm doing great. Casey's intros just always get me. So I'm going. Let's do it. Absolutely. And also joining us, the man who logs many miles for MMAfighting.com, mm-hmm. social media guru himself, getting ready for Salt Lake City next week, a BMF title fight. But before that, he joins us here on the preview show, Mr. Jose Youngs. Jose, how are you, my friend? I'm not bald, so I'm great. How dare you, first of all? Not a not not an auspicious start to the program from your end, but kick him out. Just kick him out. <laughs> uh, listen, we gotta strive for something, and if I can somehow find my way back to getting a head of hair like Jose's, then it's a victory nonetheless. But Shaheen, as I, mean, I mentioned Mike, they're, earlier, they're, hold on, they're doing great work out there in Turkey. The hair the hair transplants <laughs> out there in Turkey, buddy. Me and you, we'll go. They're doing. They're looking pretty nice, actually. They're, I've seen some some fighters do it. They're looking pretty nice. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't even know what I would look like now with hair. It's been like a decade since I've had it. So I wouldn't even know what to do with it. It just seems like a lot of maintenance. It's I have to like pay for haircuts. I don't want to do that. I feel like life's much easier for me these days just doing the shiny thing. But Shaheen, the UFC is back in London. And 
look, this is not UFC 286. I feel like the return in March of 2022 had a lot more buzz. The July return had a lot of buzz. This one, I feel like the buzz has grown. It wasn't really there. I still think a lot of people are feeling the hangover from UFC 290. And on and on we go. But we're back. We gotta, we're going to have a raucous crowd. We got heavyweights in the main event. Are you feeling the buzz now? Like we had the ceremonial weigh-ins. The fans were into it. Do you feel like the steam is picking up on this card a little bit as we get closer to tomorrow? I mean, certainly locally, it seems like, right? Like we saw the scenes out there. The English cloud, the crowd always brings it. Like it's always fun whenever the UFC comes back to London or any of these UK cards. Uh, I would say back stateside, I don't know if we're feeling the buzz just because it is another fight night, but it is a pretty good fight night. Like I agree with you. I think this card is sneaky good. Maybe, you know, the, the main card isn't filled with really sexy names, really big names, but a lot of these matchups are really compelling. They're, they're, it's a lot of the best of that region, and I don't know. I'm really intrigued by a lot of, of what we're seeing here. Jose, as a, as a fan of high-level martial arts and mm-hmm. highly competitive fights, I feel like we get a bunch on this card. Mm-hmm. I think, as Shaheen said, sneaky good is probably the, the right way to describe this. I, there's, Look, we, we obviously would love to see a like a more loaded card and, and higher stakes across the board, but we can't get that every single Saturday. But all in all, I think this is going to be a fun card from start to finish. Your thoughts on the lineup on paper before we get to the main event? Yeah, there's a lack of massive superstars to draw the interest in, you know, as Shaheen said, stateside. But there's a lot of fighters that I'm very interested in watching. And there's a lot of fights that I'm specifically the main card. I don't think in terms of actual athletic competition, I'm looking at the lineup right now, in terms of athletic actual athletic competition the main every fight on the main card is fun every fight on the main card is interesting there's obviously some fights on the prelims that are probably more for the local fighters but there's still some interesting storylines um some names that jump out so not as good as the pay-per-view obviously but in, it's missing the 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 patty pimblets and the uh nikita krylaws and the gustafsons and the alexander ozdemirs of the world from the last i think they were on the last fight night uh, that was the one when Tom Aspinall hurt his leg, if I remember correctly. But like, decent lineup, it's main card. Like, it's a fun fight night. And so it's in the morning. And yes, the morning. I love that. It's in the morning. Whatever, whatever gymnastic scale there is. Yeah, whatever gymnastic score there is, it automatically gets bumped up an entire point because of the early day MMA. But let's talk about this main event, Shaheen. Tommy Aspinall is back as Jose laid out. Most recent appearance gnarly injury really bad against curtis blades unfortunate way that fight played out but he's back seems to be ready to go he's recovered and he gets martin tybora who is on a roll right now and martin tybora is about to get his opportunity to not only play spoiler but go from under the radar to right on everybody's radar in the title picture so your thoughts on the matchmaking here because if you're on the Aspinall side of things, I think this is a really good matchup. And Tybora, the opportunity is knocking. Chance to re- really make a move here. Your thoughts on the matchmaking for this main event and, and Tommy Aspinall's highly anticipated return? No, I like it. I, I, exactly for the reasons you said. I think this was really shrewd work by the UFC and also by Tommy Aspinall, who kind of called a shot here, right? Like he kind of put his finger in, in Marcin Tybora's chest and Tybora reciprocated it, and they sort of made this matchup themselves. It's it's funny, the the life cycle of these sort of things, right? Because before last year, like literally basically a year a, ago to this day, more or less, by the time this fight comes, 
Tom Aspinall was sort of the big up and comer, the big new talent, the blue chip uh, prospect in this heavyweight division, right? And and then he goes out there, tears everything in his knee, 15 seconds in, torn MCL, meniscus, ACL damage. And all of a sudden, it feels like over this past year, Tom Aspinall has become completely forgotten within this picture. And Jailton Almeida has sort of risen to take a lot of that thunder. I feel like now we're talking about like Jailton is the hot prospect. Jailton's the future of the heavyweight division. And Tom Aspinall was just out here doing rehab for the past year. So so again, it, it's just the, the, the memory and the life cycle of all of this is, is so short term always. But I think this is a perfect matchup for Tom to sort of reintroduce himself. I mean, the reasons we liked this guy as, as a talent talent are still very much omnipresent right like he is big he is athletic he's extremely quick great hands very dangerous striking and also that bjj black belt background so like tom aspinall is still every every bit as uh interesting of a prospect to me at least as he was before that injury that obviously is a devastating injury he's only 30 though it feels like that's something at this day and age that, that guys tend to come back from but I mean, in terms of just a, a rebound fight, right? Like a, a sort of comeback fight to reintroduce yourself to the mix. I think he couldn't have chosen better. Marcin Tybora is such a weird case in this heavyweight division, right? Like this is a man who's been around since 2016, who only won like four of his first nine in the UFC. And now all of a sudden, what is it? Seven of the past eight. So so he's on a nice little run himself. And it feels like this is just perfect matchmaking in terms of where uh, each man's sort of coming in with the momentum on each side. What do you think, Jose? You you like the matchmaking here? Because as Marcin Tybor has done throughout this run, he just continues to quietly sneak in, do his thing, and go home. And it feels like no one's really giving this man a chance here. This is the Tom Aspinall show. Marcin Tybor is the the future victim for the returning English fighter. But do, do you think this is the right bit of matchmaking for this main event? And not only that, just for Tom Aspinall's return to the cage? Yeah, because it's the only one that makes sense if you look at the top 10 of the UFC rankings. I know we have MMA Fighting's global rankings, but I'm pretty sure the UFC doesn't look at the MMA Fighting global rankings. So just based off of the UFC's top 15, everyone is pretty much matched up or Tom Aswell has already fought and beat in the top 15. So uh, I spoke with him in London and he, I, I go, when I just asked him, I go, when are you coming back? He goes, uh, hoping for July sometime in the summer. And it's, pro- I look at the top 15. I, the only one that really makes sense is Tybora. So it makes sense in terms of ranking. It makes sense because both are, you know, it's not the hardest fight for Tom Aspinall's return. It's not like he's going in there to fight Sergey Pavlovich. You can concuss you and turn your lights out. This is, Marcin Tabar, who is just the definition of consistently and consistent and steady. He's just he's two to three fights a year, every year since like twenty, as you said, twenty sixteen. As is obviously has a five hundred more higher than five hundred record, but he's not just melting people away. He's not going out there and just knocking people out. He's getting knocked out. So this is a great fight for Tom Aswell if he wants to go out there and put on a high level performance and get a highlight real finish. He's had a main event i believe tybor fought for doom in a main event if i remember correctly that was one of those weird ones i think that was in sydney they had two non-australians headlined an australian australian fight night and i think for doom who's you know one of the highest level grapplers if not the highest level grappler in the history of the heavyweight division fought marching tybor for 25 minutes if i remember correctly so yeah great memory. Make, great great memory. Makes, makes makes sense in terms of ranking 
makes sense in terms of it's it's a body that Tom Aspinall can put away. Makes sense in that it's not a guy that's going to go out there and really damage Tom Aspinall if he wants a high a quick turnaround. So checks checks down down the list makes sense, and I actually do like this fight. I'm glad Martin Sabura is getting more shine because he is a very nice gentleman. Uh, he's more than welcome with his time in media days. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Gene, you mentioned Tommy Aspinall. Not 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 that he's been like forgotten in this heavyweight conversation, but the steam has it's it's lessened for sure since the injury. And we you mentioned Justin Almeida. Sergey Pavlovich is obviously on a great run right now. And we talk about stakes in these fights. And obviously we talked about Marcin Tabor. He goes out there and beats Tom Aspinall in London. That's a huge moment for him. But what does Tommy Aspinall have to do to to get back? to where he was before like does he, is like is enough is this enough like if he goes out and just finishes marching tabor which he's heavily favored to do will that be enough to to get that buzz back where he was a year ago what is at stake like what where does a win tomorrow put tommy aspinall in this discussion compared to where it was a year ago that's a good question. I, I will say it's fun having Tom sort of back in the mix, right? Because if you if you watch some of his interviews in the lead up to it, like the way he looks at the game is very it's very interesting. It's very astute. It's very self-aware. And he, he was sort of all of those, uh, you know, throughout this past week, he, he, he sort of laid it out for us, right? Saying that heavyweight, heavyweight MMA, the rules are a little bit different when it comes to these sort of things, right? Like if, if Tom Aspinall goes out there and, and puts out, you know, a 25-minute decision against Marcin Tabora, as Jose just referenced, like, like for Doom, I don't know that he's very, very close towards sort of the, the title pecking order, right? Like I think he probably needs couple wins at that point to, to maybe be able to get back to that that spot but if tom aspinall goes out there and does the spectacular tom aspinall stuff that we have seen from tom aspinall in the past before the injury and he maybe sparks out tabora in a round or or just has a very fun fight a very entertaining finish anything like that i think it's very possible that he shoots right back up there and he's maybe one fight away from competing for that title i mean this is a guy who we've seen it the the london crowds go crazy for him he has that sort of regional appeal but also he just is is something that we don't have a lot of in in heavyweight mma and that is he's just so incredibly athletic and that just makes for you know, uh, tantalizing potential, but also just really fun fights. And it feels like the UFC is behind him. So, I mean, this is a, this is a weird division right now. We had to wait so long for the steep a situation. It's very possible that both of the men competing for, for the heavyweight title in November in MSG end up retiring after that fight. Right? Like, I think there's a very real world that both John and steep a walk away and that title is suddenly vacant. It would it would make a lot of sense if Tom wins this fight to be able to throw him in that vacant title fight with Sergey Pavlovich or something like that. So, I don't know I, if, if Tom goes out there and does something spectacular and reminds the world of why we were so high on him to begin with. I think it's very conceivable that he's one fight away at most from a title shot. But but then again, you know, weirder things happen. And Marcin Tybura, for as much as people are overlooking him. This man knows how to make things a slog. Like he knows how to outwork people. He knows how to drag them out to a decision, right? Like seven of his eleven UFC wins have come by decision. This is not a. This is this is sort of a, a feature of who this guy is. Like this is just how he gets things done. So I don't know. I mean, this is not an easy man to spark out or have you know an entertaining finish on by any means. So Tom certainly has his work cut out for him. But like Jose, I agree. I mean, this is of all the sort of possibilities for Tom, this feels like maybe the best possible chance to come back. Take you know, not as Sergei Pavlovich type of damage that you would and be able to put on an entertaining and uh, exciting finish. Yeah, Tybora is is very sloggy, 
um, and not in a bad way. Like ask Alexander Romanov how tight it, tough it is to put that dude away. Romanov, like almost 10, I mean, 10 aided him, at least in my opinion. And Tibora like stood up at the end of the round and got a little momentum back. That's just how tough and durable this guy is. What do you think about the stakes of this fight, Jose? Because like Shaheen mentioned, we got John Jones Stipe in November. We have Jelton Almeida, Curtis Blades expected to happen in November. We got Cyril Gaon getting ready to fight Sergey Spivak in September. A lot of moving parts at heavyweight right now. What are the stakes here? Because you, you'd have to think that Tom Aspinall is going to get a quicker rise to a title shot than Marching Tybora, even if he gets a yep. win here. So uh, wh- where do you think this puts whoever wins this fight in, in this discussion right now? What are the stakes? I mean, if Marcin Tabura wins, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him the winner of the Cyril Gon fight because that's like if Tom wins, he's either fighting for a title or is in a number one contender fight because Sergey Pavlovich is going to be one half of that title fight. Because okay? we're all we're, we're all assuming John and Steve Bay retire. Like whoever wins, whoever loses, I I'm assuming they're walking away. I have have no insider knowledge whatsoever. But if John beats Steve Bay. I don't think he's going to go from beating arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time to then fighting. Sergey Pavlovich, Stipe, I don't, again, there's nothing else for him to prove unless we live in a world where they just rematch for UFC 300, which would just cause more chaos. Um, I think Tom Aspinall will probably fight, will probably fight either Jailton or Sergey Pavlovich, either for a title or a number one contender fight. It's just, it seems like those three are the ones that are kind of circling each other. At one point, it was Tom, Cyril, tied to Ivasa, and we, there was that point in time, it was a flash of pain where Chris Dawkins was a possible heavyweight contender. And I've spoken to Tom. He's like, yeah, that was a weird time when people kept trying to match make me with Chris Dawkins. And I knew I would just melt him. <laughs> like looking back, that was bizarre. So it's at one point it was them. Tom is kind of still floating. Cyril has fought for the title twice. He's held the interim title ties on that, that downward trajectory. Uh, if we're t- talking new blood, it's really Tom, Jailton, and Sergey Pavlovich. So one, if not two of those, will be fighting for an interim title. I think Tom has more to win. Obviously, both gentlemen need the win, but I think Tom, if I'm a betting man, has far more to gain with a win over Marcin Tabura. Agreed. And he is heavily favored to do so, Shaheen. Tommy Asadal, minus 475 favorite, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Come back on Marching Tybora, plus 350. Are you with the odds right now, Shaheen? Is Tommy Aspinall going to send the O2 Arena crowd home happy and singing his name? You know, before I make the pick, I want to ask you something, Mike, because this is sort of the biggest question around surrounding this fight, maybe just this division right now, that that has me the most curious. and I Because I, I don't know if I believe John Jones. Ultimately, like, right, like John Jones has been saying a lot, that this is going to be his retirement fight, that he beats Steve Bay and he's out. And I think there's very, there's a very clear world where that could happen, right? He waltzes into the heavyweight division, gets like a pretty favorable matchup against a guy with no wrestling and then fights a 41 year old, you know, heavy, one of the greats, but someone who's 41 year old probably passed it and then sort of waltzes out. It's like, ah, I did it. Like that seems very John Jones-ish. He, he could do that certainly, but there is another element element to this where like heavyweight title defense record is only three right like if john jones beats stipe he is only two fights away from securing himself as the goat heavyweight essentially and with this division where it is like it feels like there are matchups where he i don't know that he would be scared to face any of these guys so do you think there's any world where tom aspinall does something so impressive on saturday that he, whether it's a finish a call out an interview whatever 
that he can pique John Jones's interest and maybe, if not sway John to stay, at least sort of throw throw a couple pebbles in that pail of like, hey, maybe maybe there is a reason to stay around and fight some of these guys. Get that get that title defense record. So I'll say this: um, I think John's going to leave home for a little while, but he's not going to sell his house. So I don't think he's going to retire. I think if he beats Stipe. He's going to say he's retiring, but he'll still like be in the pool and still kind of be in play. He'll he'll be Cejudo-esque in some respects where he'll just tweet out random things that actually pique his attention. I will say I think Tommy Aspinall is the guy who could get him back. If it's, I mean, obviously Frank Sangano, but we know. But I actually think Tommy's the one guy. I don't think Pavlovich is going to do it. I Maybe Jelton, I don't see it, but I think Tommy Aspinall with – the but if he can get back to where he was a year ago and expand on that buzz that he was getting, maybe John wants maybe John wants to go across the pond. Maybe he wants to go fight in London and fight in front of that raucous crowd and have a different kind of a challenge. I do think Aspinall, the current crop of heavyweights who he could fight in the future, I feel like Aspinall is the one guy that could be like, you know what? If Aspinall like wins a vacant title and defends it a few times and just starts running over people and the questions keep coming, like could you beat John Jones? And he says the right thing to to pique john's interest i think yes so i guess the answer to your question i don't tires retires but i think he takes a sabbatical until something worthwhile for his piggy bank comes along and i think aspinall might be the guy he's not there yet even with the win here i don't think it's enough but if john walks away vacates the belt aspinall wins the title and then runs off a few defenses and people really get behind him i think he could be the guy to get him back I think I agree with you. Like I, I just something about Tom has, feels like he has the right sort of mix of charisma, right? English speaking, Jailton sort of lacking there, and, and like the fan base, and just sort of I don't know, like an intriguing skill set as well. I mean, Jose, do you are we crazy? Yep. Uh, I don't. I'm not overly impressed with Tom Aspinall's resume. I like Tom as a guy quite a bit, but there's nothing. Like Stipe is he's everyone in the top fifteen heavyweight division, even though even Sergey Pavlovich is more char- charismatic than Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic just has all of the records. I think that's the only reason John is fighting him. Um I think Tom is so talented. I just I don't see I don't think he's the one presently to get John to stay. Unless he goes out there and spinning wheel kicks Marcin Tabur and his head lands in the crowd. I don't get it. I don't understand. Maybe it's because Ariel keeps playing the Tommy Aspinall chant that everyone gets hyped up. It's the same thing I said when you guys are all high on Jake Matthews after one win. Like I was not impressed. <laughs> no, 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 you dare say you guys. That was Jed who ranked him in the freaking top and, 10. We're, we're and you're and you into that Mike history. And will show that Mike was in your bold brethren over here. Like, Jake Matthews won, and everyone's like, "Oh, Jake Matthews back up!" Like, yeah, he beat yeah, a. He had a, man, he had a man performance that night. We were uh, yeah, he beat a man, as, Jake Matthews. Look, if you, was the you Jack, guys, Jake Matthews moment, and it was beautiful, and it's gone. It doesn't matter now. You guys, can, in the moment. you guys consume the MMA fighting product, so I'm not speaking to you guys. So I'm speaking to everyone that's watching this. Um, <laughs> if you watched the post show last last week, which I know you guys both did, actually, and you listened to it on every platform you can listen to podcasts on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. Great. Network. I was. Uh, I said I was so unimpressed with Andre Fiala's win that I was unimpressed with Jake Matthews. That's the level of. I, I don't. I'm like I don't understand what you guys are seeing. It's sort of the similar with Tom Aspinall. I I have so many questions about Tom Aspinall's 
abilities to beat John Jones and the Steve Bays and the Pavloviches. Like, I still have questions of whether he beats Curtis Blades, honestly, because Curtis Blades is very good at MMA. That was a freak injury. Like, Volkov can beat anyone and lose to anyone. Sergey Spivak, at the time Tom beat him, was not on the best run. Andre Arlovsky is not the same Andre Arlovsky we saw four years ago in the UFC. Alain Boudot and Jake Collier not even remotely top 25 heavyweights if tom, if tom aspinall had beaten curtis blades then yes 100 percent. but i have too many questions about tom aspinall to say that he's the one because if he goes out there and has a snooze fest again because again mma fighting said a whole lot about alexander romanoff too and what happened when he fought marcin tybora like marcin tybora is a hype derailer and he not from the fact that he knocks you out he just makes you look bad so if he has a if he wins, great. He gets another half the second half of his paycheck. But if Tom Aspinall has a boring fight, twenty five minute fight against Martin Tibera, and the O two arena is booing, not a good look. And I don't think that's going to get John Jones to say so. Ask me this question again after tomorrow morning because it's a morning card here on the Pacific Time. But presently, right now, as we are recording this. I can't definitively say Tom is the one. I have too many questions, and I'm not jumping on the train just yet. I'm still one foot on the Jailton train, honestly. Like, none of the heavyweight prospects, I'm like, that's the guy. So I have too many questions about everyone. Um, I would say, I don't know that... I don't know that we mean like he's the guy that's going to beat John. No, that's what I want. I don't think any of the, I don't think anyone, like... I don't think anyone on the top 15 right now beats John Jones at yeah. heavyweight. I, I'm, yeah. I'm on record at the... Because, again, you guys consume the product at the, the title prediction show that we did. I said John Jones, heavyweight champion by the end of 2023, was a lock, and he hadn't even signed to fight Cyril yet. You're going to probably uh, lose that if he retires, just, just letting you know that. That's, that is a very good point. Like, I could lose by <laughs> default. Like, everyone that picked Amanda to be the champion at the end of 2023 in two divisions is wrong because there is no champion in 2023. That is an excellent point. But I also am on record saying Hamza was going to be the middleweight champion, so I'm going to be wrong there too. I don't know. Well, I just – I'm, 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 I'm in, in terms of interest to keep John fighting – I don't know if there's anyone in the heavyweight division right now that keeps him fighting. They, they can be, but not right now. Yeah, I guess yeah. I don't mean in terms of resume, because obviously Tom doesn't have the resume right now. And no. that's sort of what no, that's what this fight is about. And obviously, whatever the next fight would be, that's sort of is is like he's still on the come up. So obviously he mm-hmm. doesn't have the resume. To me, it feels more like um, and this is maybe a, a I guess a comparison just because they come from the same country, but it feels like a Darren Till situation with Tyron Woodley where like Darren Till had like this unique brand of hype that, that sort of had people believing and that sort of thing. And it made for a really intriguing lead up and matchup and that sort of thing. And I think that maybe Tom could become that for the heavyweight division, especially if he looks spectacular tomorrow. Uh, But as we said, it's really hard to look spectacular against Marcin Tybora. So these are all ifs and buts and candy and nuts. But ultimately, I don't know. That to me is is the most interesting question right now with this heavyweight division because there are so many people in this division I would love to see John fight. And I just don't don't have faith that we're going to see any of them, frankly. Um, But I want to see it. But anyway, to go back to the original point, I am picking Tom Aspinall. I I think ultimately the biggest question is, right, how how, – badly is the knee injury going to affect him how badly is that recovery what would that diminish from him because his biggest gifts were his athleticism were his ability to move around like a lot of heavyweights don't move around and, and sort of sort of the quickness and the athleticism and that sort of thing 
if that's not diminished at all, which I mean, I hope I hope it's not. That that was a bad knee injury, but again, he's 30 years old, and modern medicine's pretty great with this stuff. Uh, I think he's gonna re- I think he's gonna roll over Marcin Tybora, but again, Marcin Tybora makes things a slog. We've seen it over and over Oof. again, so we'll see. I'm calling Tom Aspen all second round knockout though. Yeah, I mean, and and again, just to clarify before I get your pick, Jose, this is a prize fighty pick. Like a potential one. And that's what I was two years minimum away from getting John Jones's attention. So I just yes. want to put that out there. Like many, many years, many fights and potential title defenses away from getting John's attention. But I just feel personality wise and the buzz he could create, he could be the one. Because yeah. I don't think Pavlovich or, or Jailton he's charismatic. Going to be that for him. Yeah, he wants we to make money. We don't have, we don't have he- yeah. a lot of charismatic heavyweights. Like that's just the reality. And this is, and I want to say, this is all relatively new for Tom, this charisma we're talking about. Because remember, for years, he's like, I want the slow build. Like, I don't want Rush. I don't want this. I don't want that. And then he gets hurt. And all of a sudden, he's like, no, F, I'm like, now he sees it. Like, it's night and day. Like, getting hurt changes the fighter's perspective. Yeah, man. Like, being on the shelf. The window is small, dude. (laughs) The window is small. Being on the shelf for 12 months is is a life-changing moment so this is a new tom aspinall we're seeing if he keeps it up i if he goes out there so i'm picking tom first round finish if he does it in a spectacular fashion and gets on the mic and just cuts like absolute vitriol on the mic towards john and stipe then we're talking i don't know if that's gonna happen but then we're talking but if he does something spectacular and has and just nails the post-fight speech in front of an insane o2 arena yeah he's the guy like then I'm ready to crown him. Yeah, I I, I got Aspinall first round submission. I, it's club and sub. I think he Tybor throws a punch. Aspinall counters with something big, drops him some sort of arm bar or something nasty, and uh, I think it's a, a raucous crowd that will be celebrating the win. Tommy Aspinall's song will be sung very loud, and we'll so see what he does on the mic. The there's another part that people aren't. Talk, I haven't seen too many people talking about, but Marcin Tibur essentially had a camp preparing for for Tom when he was the possible replacement for Alexander Volkov when Volkov might not have fought in England. So this is essentially two camps he's had for Tom Aspinall. One of them was a maybe. One of them was a def- definite. I'm very curious to see if Tibur has put together any sort of game plan for Tom Aspinall and essentially two camps because he also weighed – like people forget he weighed in. Uh, to fight Tom that that first fight that first return in London yeah real quick before we move on to the other things that are going on hi I'm Neil Patel host of Decoder my show about big ideas and other problems right now on Decoder we're doing a mini series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around generative AI our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI with expert verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. 
Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Shaheen, this is obviously a five-round fight, and I think most people are expecting Tommy Aspinall to get in and get out and come out relatively unscathed. But as you said, Tybor is tough to look good against. He's tough to put away. If this fight gets to, like, round three, if we get into the championship rounds here, who do you think that favors more? Does this favor Aspinall or does this favor Marcin Tybora because of the slogginess that has been so effective for him? That's a tough question. I mean, we ha- we just haven't seen it, right? Like, I, we haven't seen Tom go past the second round his whole damn career. Like, we just we and even that was like the the early stages of the second round. Like, we just don't know this guy's gas tank. We don't know what he looks like in the fourth round. We don't know how how well his style, which again is very movement heavy, sort of holds up throughout the course of a twenty five minute fight. So, I, I guess I would default to saying Marcin Tybora, but that's purely because it's just the unknown. Like I have no actual concept of, or of an idea of what Tom Aspinall looks like in the third round. Maybe he's a third round God. Maybe he's Yoel Romero. Third round, Tom <laughs> Aspinall is the new mythical fighter that's going to dethrone John Jones. Who knows? That's funny. Jose, what's your gut telling you on this question? On um, the five round, again, there's just so many questions that I have like for all like for all we know we get mythical third round Tom Aspinall but on the flip side maybe we get what happened mythical with Jardine <laughs> maybe we get mythical Marcin Tabur who fought in Salt Lake City elevation of like 40,000 feet or whatever it's like you're fighting on the moon out there but then he for all we know Tom Aspinall could have the same cardio as Jairzinho and he just gets melted he just melts in the third round I don't know and that goes along with the how many questions I have for Tom Aspinall um my gut says just watching him fight, he seems like he can go forever. Same as Martin Tabura. So if it gets past the third round, on paper, you have to just give the slight edge to Tabura just because we've seen it. Like scientific method, we've seen the outcome. He can do five rounds. Haven't seen it with Tom Aswell. There's too many unknown variables. So my gut says he can do it. If it gets past the third round, I'd still pick him to win. I, if this goes to a 25-minute decision, which I can't imagine it does, I would still pick Tom Aspinall to win. I just think he's a – I think at the end of the day, I think he's just a better martial artist than Marcin Tabura. I think he just has more tools to win. Um, but the one tool that's cardio is unknown for Tom. But my gut says he can go 20, 25 rounds. 25 minutes. 25 rounds would be insane. Man no, pulled maybe. out the scientific method on the preview show. <laughs> First ever scientific method poll. Well done. This is what this is what happens. This is what we this is what I bring to the table. It's not Jed's bad takes, it's Jose's proven <laughs> scientific facts. You're you're a man of science. We all yes. say it all the time. <laughs> yes, I mean That's odd. The, 
These last couple of preview shows have been a part of the the difference between Jimmy's and Sprinkles and the scientific method. Only here. What do people say? Oh, okay, Mike, you're from New England, Sean. I want this is unrelated. Actually, this is way more important than anything. Oh no, is it Jimmy's or Sprinkles? Jimmy's Jimmy's or Sprinkles? Real quick. Of course, it's not Jimmy's. I've never heard that in my life until. Okay, Mike, 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 you're from New England. Is it Jimmy's or Sprinkles? When I I grew up, there is an answer. It it was Jimmy's when I grew up. Hundred percent. It's 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 chocolate Jimmy's rainbow sprinkles. End of story. Yeah, I didn't get rainbow anything, so it was always chocolate Jimmy's for me. That's fair. Chocolate Jimmy's. We shall move on. You you know what's interesting about this card? When we, this is what I like about it. We get to a fight. It's the co-main event where we have gone from what the hell are we doing here to Mm -hmm. ooh, I'm actually really intrigued now because. The UFC announced a couple of months ago that Molly McCann was going to fight Julia Stoliarenko in a flyweight fight. And my immediate reaction was, why are we doing this? Because don't you want Molly to fight on the card? Julia Stoliarenko's fainting on the scale trying to make 135. Why are we going to do this at 125? So a lot of people are just expecting her to step on the scale today at one this morning at 129 or 130. And maybe Molly will take the fight with the little forfeiture of the purse, but Good Lord, Shaheen, you were watching. Julia Stoliarenko looked like a new person at 125. She skipped and frolicked and smiled and brushed the dirt off her shoulder on the scale. She looked great. This fight has now become much more intriguing to me after seeing how she looked on the scale. Are you with me? I was, you're right. I was up at 3 a.m. watching this because I'm a maniac <laughs> and I have, I have no idea what I do with my life now that I have a baby. So uh, that's what I do with my life because I, <laughs> sleep is a foreign idea to me in a foreign concept and it's just a great time uh i'm intrigued i probably i don't think i'm as intrigued as you mike heck because this to me I've, i always look at sort of the situation that that story lavranco's in as like that's it's the desperation move right like you you've lost four or five you're sort of possibly on your way out of the ufc like this is the this is the move you, you change divisions try to get the new chapter it just generally doesn't work and generally i don't know that like fighters end up looking better when they're doing this type of thing, especially if it's going down, maybe going up in weight that there's something to that of like, Hey, you don't have the weight cut and it's thing, you know, it's, you have more energy, that sort of thing. But like going down in weight feels like it never, ever works unless you're like maybe late stage Jose Aldo. And even that was like, I was incredibly dubious of it. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued mostly because I just really enjoy seeing Molly McCann fight in front of this crowd. I mean, it seems like it brings something special out of her. We got multiple knockout of the year candidates from her, from, from this sort of setup. Uh, so I, you know, it's just fun to see her back in this environment after she basically got murdered by Aaron Blanchfield, which that like that was the most insane matchmaking ever. Like I understood what they were doing there, uh, but it was just cold blooded. It was very ruthless by the UFC mm-hmm. matchmakers to be like, "Hey, Molly McCann, here's all your momentum. Go fight Aaron Blanchfield, who, who's about to be champion in this division. Uh, have fun with that." So I, I don't know. It's going to be fun to see Molly sort of back in this crowd, back in this setup, back in a fight that's that seems very winnable for her. Uh, but in terms of the story of Ranko, I think you're probably more intrigued about that aspect of it than me. But, you know, we've always been a lot of us have been wrong a lot of times. So maybe we'll see. Yeah, I think it's one. It could be a very fun fight because basically my line of thinking heading in was either this fight's not going to happen or Stolyarenko is going to miss weight by a bunch. And even if she makes it, she's going to look horrible on the scale, which is going to be like a nice win for Molly. But seeing Stolyarenko like this, Jose she when she has it she has it man i mean she Mm -hmm. ran over jessica rose clark and i know jessica rose clark isn't in the ufc anymore and she brings a style to the table especially with her grappling and her submission game that could give molly problems if she's having a good night and let's also add 
when it comes to violent, crazy ass fights, Julia Stolyarenko is no stranger to that. Just go back yeah. to 2020, one of the fights of the year against Lisa Verzoza uh, at yeah. the FC. That was a crazy fight. Oh. So I am I am more intrigued because I think this fight is more competitive and it's a lot more fun, especially after seeing Stolyarenko looking yeah. the best she's looked on the scales since returning to the UFC. I think this is a good co-main event and a great fight for Molly because, as you said, like Julia's a get her get got type fighter, and who she lost to, like Yana Kuniskaya. I know she's Yana Santos now, but at the time, Yana Kuniskaya. I know she lost to Alexis Davis. Julia, Julia Avila, Julia Avila, and like those are three very good fighters, two of which fought for the title. Julia and one point Chelsea looks- Chandler. And Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea did run away. Maybe, run, maybe hurts the argument a little bit. <laughs> maybe hurts the argument, but like, yes, maybe hurts the argument. But she, like, if I remember correctly, Julia got finished in the first round of that fight, which rarely happens in women's MMA. So, get her, get got type fighter, uh, a very winnable fight for Molly. And even if she loses the both of these women's fights, like especially Julia's fights, are exciting enough that I think if Molly does lose, it does it's not going to hurt her stock because the crowd's going to be so into the fight that they're witnessing. I think this is a f- perfect matchmaker, perfect m- matched fight for the Coleman event in the O2 arena. I think I, I'm not as excited as Mike, but it may, I, I like what the UFC did with this. I think they actually nailed it with this matchmaking and placement of this fight. Yeah, nice intense face off between the two ladies mm-hmm. and Molly's always in an intense face off. Like she's never. Lo- I gotta love it. You gotta love it, right? Like it's so fun. Yeah, I, was, I will. I will just say, like it's it speaks to what maybe all of us have been saying. Like it, we complain sometimes of the the setup for these type of regional cards where it's like, hey, it's it's a good like up and down lineup of, of local fighters, but they're probably all going to lose and this is probably all going to be depressing and like we're going to all everyone in the crowd is going to go home unhappy i think the matchmaking for these the matchmaking for the main event and the co-main event like it feels like the ufc tried to set it up so that everyone yeah. in the crowd is going to go home very happy so mm-hmm. you got to appreciate that yeah some money has come in on julia stoliarenko since she made weight by the way so molly mccann really? minus 210 favorite plus 180 for stoliarenko about 20 points Back uh, towards towards even for Soliarenko. I think that was the big question in a lot of people's minds heading into this fight is could she make the way to get Nathaniel Wood, Andre Feely, great fight. Andre Meniz, wow. Paul Craig has gotten a lot of attention this week because that was another question about a gentleman. How's he going to look on the scale? And Paul Craig made weight like champ. Looked so, tremendous. Looked good. Looked yep. real good. Yeah. That is just going to be – this is the fight on the car where I literally – I could make a prediction, but I literally have no idea what's going to happen, Shaheen. I have no idea what this fight's going to look like. Dude, I love this fight. Like, there are objectively <laughs> better fights on this card. Like, I would say the one you just mentioned, the Feely, uh, the Feely Wood fight, is is probably the second best fight on this card. And then even Lerone Murphy, Kulabal. Like, I, I think I really like that one as well. That's probably oh, my yeah. favorite on this card. But, but, like, I am probably the most interested in the Paul Craig Muniz fight. Just for like a lot of weird different reasons, right? Like Paul Craig, we've we've seen him consistently just really struggle with the power of of the guys up there at one at two hundred five. He looked pretty good on the scale. Like he didn't look like he was really struggling. This is just a grappler's delight. Like I just want to see these dudes in scramble. 
shambles. I just want to see what whatever's going to happen the moment that they sort of lock up and, and things start working. Because I mean, man, Jose is throwing all these these moments out that we're all wrong on. Whether it was Romanoff or or uh, what was the other one? I, I forgot. Uh, Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews. Yeah. Andre Muniz had maybe the biggest, most wrong moment from all of us on MMA fighting. Yeah. We were all we thought this guy was the second coming of Damian Maya, and he is just yeah. very. Uh, ordinary these last two fights so like i this is a big moment for both these guys right like this is sort of a a crossroads type of fight for both these type of both these guys and i'm really intrigued because again i just want to see them grapple like i I just want to see the moment they sort of tie up what happens jose you got that look in your eye that you're right that fight has like i'm i have i'm so intrigued by this fight because that has the highest potential to be just an unbelievable grappler's delight or just a trash kickboxing fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I'm so interested in this because every no time we get, no every time we get jujitsu, like high level, jiu-jitsu, like this isn't just high level jujitsu. Like this is the highest level jujitsu in these two guys fighting. And they're just going to cancel each, like cancel each other out. And it's gonna, just going to be a garbage, sloppy kickboxing fight, which I'm all for. I love seeing jujitsu guys just throw bad kicks and punches. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> Um, I love this fight, but this has, if there's a high, like this is the highest possibility of just being a bad fight and I'm here for it. Also, there, there is a real low key sneaky element to this fight and Paul Craig's introduction to this division. Yeah. Man might be the new favorite for the middleweighty middleweight title. I'm just saying, I'm I'm putting it out there. We can see how current champion, but man might be the new favorite to take that because he is all about what middleweight does. Who's the current champion, Mike? I mean, kind of Brendan Allen because he took the belt and he's looking. Brendan Allen is winning. The he's belt, so he's good. not middleweight. He's yeah, too good. He's so good. He's, he's so good. good. We haven't he stripped him yet because I feel he, ever since he won the middleweighty middleweight title, he's had his best performances back to back. So I almost feel bad like taking it from him because I mean, until he wins the actual middleweight title, then we is can it Brad Tavares? Is it Brad Tavares? He's been in the UFC for like 70 years, and he's never even cracked the top five. Christoph like- Jodko is the GOAT uh, middleweight. Yeah. middleweight. Yes, 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 yes. That's fair. Uh, Jack Hermanson's probably somewhere in that conversation. I feel like with Brendan Allen, we can like sort of – honorarily like elevate him into like a super boss status you know we're like he's like goro like like shang song was, was like marvin vittori he's like too good to oh really be in this God. conversation but he's sort of the the epitome of this and then like brandon allen can be goro he's like the goro, the one with four arms you're comparing yeah. brandon allen to goro <laughs> yeah he was right. like the mini boss you know he's like the one before the big boss yeah i'm like the neil magny of the middleweight division just beat him you're a top 10 middleweight yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we, I get it. We had a great question on heck of a morning this morning because I, I we um because I, I I don't love gatekeeper. I like litmus test yeah, or yeah, other yeah, things yeah. to go around it. And someone was like, "I'm going to introduce the Andy Dalton line like we use in the NFL when it comes to oh, yeah. quarterbacks." So we had a goat. We had a, we did a little exercise. We went through each division and we said like, "Who's the Andy Dalton of every division?" It was a fun little conversation we that's had. Fun. It was definitely a fun conversation. Pro Bowler Andy Dalton. What's it? Yeah, Pro Bowler Andy Dalton. He's the the he's lightweight. Like, what was the Andy Dalton line on lightweight? I said, I think a lot of us landed on Dan Hooker, where he's like really good. Like he's good and has potential, and when he's on, he's on. But like he's the guy that like you have to beat to show that you are like a title contender. That's fair. I think that's that's fair. I think that's a good one. 
That's yeah, a good one. Best division yeah, in sports. We, we mm-hmm. had some fun. Middleweight middle mm-hmm. was uh, was a good conversation. Brad Tavares was a popular one. Gerald Mearshower is a popular one. I think it's Brad Tavares because you look at like Edmund, Edmund, Israel, DDP. Like those guys beat him and then they beat that. After that, they were like headline and fight nights. So I, yeah. I think Manson was a popular one. Um, it was it was a fun conversation. Oh. Uh, Jai Herbert for his I am could be a, a fun, striking delight, but – if Jai mm-hmm. Herbert wants to go out and, and get a victory in the cleanest possible way, uh, this will be a middleweighty lightweight fight because he will I have really, takedowns. Jai Herbert, I've become a big fan of Jai Herbert, his personality over the last 12 months or so because he is very open to talking about everything. Like his losses, he's like, yeah, I fought Leeds Bar and got destroyed. And then he'll like talk about how he, he thinks Ilya versus Volkanovski will go even though it's not even his weight class. Like I like I like Jai Herbert. He's very open about everything. Yeah, I like Jai as well. Uh, and then we have Lerone Murphy, Josh Cool about great fight. I love that. Oh, love that's that. my that's the love dark horse for fight of the night. That's the dark horse. Josh Kulabau is never in a bad fight. He is I think he's the biggest mixed martial arts fan on the UFC roster. Like in terms of like he's the biggest UFC fan. Like I talked to him in the fighter hotel in Perth. This dude was pulling things out that I'm like, I don't even rem- I don't even remember that. And he's like pulling out fights and names. Like this dude knows everything. He watches everything. So I am very excited for that fight. And uh Lerone Murphy's just awesome. He's such a good it. fighter too. He's this Lerone, is my dark horse for fight of the night. Lerone Murphy to me is the most slept on like pseudo contender right now in this 145 net pound division is purely just because he doesn't fight a lot. Like it's, it's the Arnold Allen thing that it's yeah. exactly what's happening to what happened to Arnold, where it took forever for him to sort of reach that conversation. That is what's happening to Lerone Murphy right now. And it, it's a shame because this dude has been in the UFC for like four years now, I think. And he's only like got yeah. five fights, five or six fights. And it's just, they're all spectacular. I, I really, like, I, I'm so high on this guy's potential and just talent, but also, like, his backstory, the reason they call him the miracle. I will never mm. not bring this up if I'm ever able to talk about it. Like, this dude's a, this dude's insane. The fact that this guy is alive is just crazy. If you've never heard Laverne Murphy's story, you should look it up. I wrote something on it a long time ago. Man's just standing on a street corner when he's, when he's a teenager. Gets hit by a drive-by shooting, two bullets in the in the throat, one in the mouth, like goes straight through his cheeks. There's still a piece of bullet embedded in his tongue. He spits out the bullets and then t- asks his friend to drive himself to him to the hospital. Like that's insane. That's a, that's yep. an insane thing to happen. Like that dude is tougher than all three of us combined. It's it's I, oh. I just wish he would get the opportunity to to be able to spread his wings in this division because I think he could do I think he could do really well if he gets the shot. I mean, anyone that's been shot in the face and lived is probably the toughest fighter on the UFC roster. Like, what? Dude. What is like on the in any weight class? I mean, I know Blago is not in the UFC probably anymore, but he got stabbed like a thousand times in his back too. That's pretty aggressive. But getting shot in the face is like shot I, in the face I, like, and what did he spitting out the bullets? Like, what are like, we talking about? Like, Pizzi interviewed him when he was with MMA fighting, and he was like explaining like like how it was and he goes the thing that he remembers most is the smell of the yeah. bullets after he spit it out and i'm just like oh my god like there's nothing in my life that i'll ever experience that's on that level yeah. like they call him the miracle for a reason like it's, love it. it's obscene that he's alive a piece of bullet still embedded in his tongue like yeah i think the only reason he's not i think he's sort of slept on is because before his last fight at 286 all of his fights in the UFC were in abu dhabi um on fight island so it was like weird time 
Uh, only one of them had a crowd because it was like the 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 two forty two, um, the the Cater Ige fight, the Kiesa Magni fight. Like these are all. I guess two forty two had the card, but it was the Habib show, so no one really remembers any other fight below that. Um, so that was the Habib Poirier fight. But after that, it was just Fight Island stuff. And then he finally got a shine again at two eighty six when he's supposed to fight Nathaniel Wood. It bothers me that Nathaniel Wood and Lowen Murphy are on the same card. They're not fighting each other because there's a lot of heat there like lone murphy said a lot of grease through a lot of grease in daniel wood love nathaniel wood feely fight but it should be nathaniel wood and lone murphy i think a lot of people would agree with that and for the first time in his ufc career lone murphy stepping in the octagon for the second time in a calendar year so good signs oh, good signs it. just fought in march so one month turnaround it. we love that yeah it's gonna be a fun stretch march casey joel lovers could be good but it could be kind of soggy if casey just starts spamming a bunch of takedowns Best out of the card, Joel Alvarez, zero percent takedown defense in the UFC so far. In this year. <laughs> That's uh, it's impressive. It's it is impressive, but Marchi Casey is not as good as he is. He's not no Armin Sarukian, so I think there are opportunities for Joel Alvarez to do some damage here. Danny Roberts, Johnny Parsons is just going to be an absolute battle. Someone's going to sleep mm-hmm. in that one, and Davy Grant, Daniel Marcos is going to. That's my low key. Hey, that's yeah. my low key banger for, for that's my low key pick for fight of the night is that one not reaching too far because david grant's always in crazy fights but daniel marcos is fun as, as well so should be a fun watch should be a fun watch and it starts early let's bring in casey take a couple questions from the peeps before we get on out of here support for this podcast comes from smart water life moves pretty fast are you drinking water that can keep up smart water alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated no matter where your day takes you whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, Casey. Sun's uh, out, guns out, boy. Let's go. Uh, yeah, buddy. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> The energy levels from yeah. when you last spoke to now are night yeah. and day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was done. I, I, got, I, had, I had like 10 seconds and now I'm just like, bikes. <laughs> all right, all right. Questions, questions. Do, 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 do. Um, Why isn't Arnold Allen on this card? Because he just fought Max Holloway for 25 minutes in a war? Not that a lot long of damage. Took a lot of damage. I mean, people that fight Max Holloway and lose usually don't fight for a while, like Cater and Yair and probably now Arnold. So I basically anybody who's not Alexander Volkanovsky, yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But that's the biggest reason why. Uh, Suave Rico Suave ticket price for this car were a joke as an English MMA fan the UFC priced average blue collar workers out the nosebleed seats were 200 pounds there were lots of tickets still available this week you know it's funny like we were talking about this and on to the next one I didn't see a lot of tickets left over on Sunday there were maybe a couple hundred if that but I'm getting I mean I get hit up all the time about the US about the Boston ticket prices as well it's like 500 bucks to sit in the balcony right now but that place is going to sell People are just going to pay the prices, but that's the key. That's the key. It's, it sells out. That's why they're not going to Mexico because they'll make the prices that and it won't sell out and they can get the same crowd in Texas or Southern California. And it's the logistically a nightmare to hold events in Mexico. Like 
so the Mexican Independence Day card, if you look at the hotel, like that week historically in Vegas is like every Mexican in the world goes to Vegas that week. It's just they've been doing it forever. Like there's no hotels in Las Vegas at all because every single musician from Mexico plays in Vegas. So like they're, it's going to sell regardless. You could sell a ticket at the T-Mobile Arena for $1,000 and it will get sold that week. So. That's just, yeah, that's not going to change. The ticket prices aren't going to go down. Well, they'll go down if you stop, if people stop paying price, yeah, those just, prices. That's <laughs> never going to happen. happen. Not happen. Yeah. Like if you pay, if, if you, if you pay these crazy prices, then the UFC is going to be like, oh, we should charge more then. Mm-hmm. Like, UFC is a business first, is a business first. Then they throw some fights on. Mm-hmm. Don't ever forget that, people. Uh, did you. Uh, the last three UFC events in London felt like they had a ton of buzz and hype leading up to them. Why does this one feel like it's a little flat in comparison? I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier, Shaheen, but what would you say is like the biggest reason why? Do you think it's the ticket prices or no? I mean, I don't. Card isn't I don't think ticket prices affect the way we we talk about cards and things like that or excitement online form. I, I mean, ultimately, there's a couple of things, right? One, Marcin Tiburas fighting in the main event. It's a little hard to, to make that look sexy on, on the marquee, regardless of whether it's Tom Aspinall and Crossroom. But also, too, I mean, I think it's exactly what we said at the top, where it's not a lot of sexy names. It's not the Patties and the Arnolds and all these guys. Like, it, it's very good fighters who are going to probably have very fun fights, but I think a lot of the fan base probably doesn't know a lot about a lot of these guys, and they're probably going to find out. To me, this is the UFC really testing the market. Like, oh, okay, we know you guys show up for awesome cards. Let's just throw fights up there where you still show up and you still pay those prices. And it looks like looks like the fans have. So, uh, yeah, until unless the numbers, unless the ratings or uh, the ticket sales don't add up, they're going to keep doing this. That's why. I mean, but but Dana's not out there, right? Like Dana's not doing any. He didn't do like any big. Prom- yeah. Was- yeah, he wasn't at the the faceoffs. Mm-hmm. I will say this. Not having Patty kind of hurts this one a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. 100%. Also, if you remember last year for the Aspinall Blades fight, the fight before that, the fight card before that was Yair and Brian Ortega, and that ended all wonky. So I think people just – that left a bad taste in people's mouths. So going from that into another fight, people just wanted fights. Like people are still high on UFC 290. That's arguably the most exciting card top to finish ever. So people are probably just burnt out. Yeah. There's also two two pay-per-views this year. Well, that's the thing. Literally next week is like the fight that everyone's been waiting for for months. So it's it's just kind of – We only have so much enthusiasm we can put out there. We have to kind of contain it, I think. I mean even in the next – the week after that is is Paul Diaz too, right? Like it's just a lot of big stuff coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we got uh, obviously Rob Font, Corey Sanhagen in Nashville, another crowd event, and then Mm – off and running. Uh, how crazy is it that number four Kelton Vieira versus number seven Panny Kianzad is on the prelims? Considering there is a possibility with Panny, who has won five of six, to enter the title scene because it's women's it's bantamweight. It's not that crazy. It's, there's two there's eleven fighters in the division. That's the UFC yeah. doesn't care about rankings. The UFC cares about what's going to be a fun fight, and that's that. There's a very high chance that's not a fun fight. Correct. Going to the cards, yeah, and they neither, neither fighter has any kind of uh, well, Panny is European, but there's no real 
British connection, like the Mali fight being the co-main event. So, yeah, yeah. it's just it's, to me, it's just UFC not caring about 135. That's all. Two two ranked fighters on the early prelims on a fight night. Yeah, that it speaks to the stage that women's bantamweight's at. Frankly, yeah. Panny has no wins over anyone in the UFC presently. I just looked up her resume, so. People keep saying that about Juliana Payne, yet Panny's in the same boat. All right, well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, we'll take one more. Uh, oh, hey, maybe they'll oh, maybe they'll have a war. Maybe they'll have a war. And I hope so. Uh, did you? Should be I saw ass someone ask earlier about favorite submissions. I like that. Oh, you just oh just like just that. go just so just go random. Not even about this card. Where is that? Uh, all right. Favorite submissions of all time. Jose, you go first. And we'll go uh, it's from the second I saw it, it was has been my favorite, and that's zombie darts choking Dustin Poirier. That's my favorite fight of all time, uh, from my favorite fighter of all time. In Fairfax, Virginia. Fight of the year, baby. Fight of the year, baby. There was a point, like, if we ever do, like, I don't, I, I'm never on shows, but if there's ever a damn they were good with zombie, like there, I've never, I can't not be on that. You're calling dibs. I can't, calling I can't like, like I'm hosting. I'm just gonna be like, here, I'm going to talk for 45 minutes. And then you guys are going to be like, I agree. And then that's the end of the podcast. That was essentially what the Robbie Lawler podcast was. You yeah. guys should check it out. It was, it was, it was yeah. a lot. Of I that. do it. It was good. What's your, what, what's your, what, what's your favorite submission, Jose? My favorite. I just said it. No, no, no. You're, you're, no, your to favorite submission you like to do when you train. That's why I, I was not good at I was not good at all at grappling offensively. The only thing I consistently hit was the only thing that I practiced were Ezekiel chokes because they're funny and they are so embarrassing when you submit someone with them. So that's yeah. the only that's my favorite thing to do. I did it to Pizzi at fight at Media Day once. And that then he showed me how flex remember he showed me how that weird flex he has where he put his foot behind his head. Yeah. He weird. did that while in an Ezekiel choke. So probably Ezekiel chokes, because that's the only thing I trained because I liked people being embarrassed when I submitted them with it. I had, a, I had a really mean triangle from Spider Guard back when I could do jujitsu before my back threw out. Like I had a really, I was catching a lot of people with that for, in a weird way. Like I, I had a really nice one of those. But the actual favorite submissions of all time, I mean, two stand out of me. Tate home, like Misha Tate oh, pulling yeah. that off. That's an underrated. Round. That's an underrated shout out. That's like the, one of the, the drama. The drama of it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. drama of that was just insane. Like that's Misha Tate's only moment ever to be able to get the UFC title, and she does it. Uh, also, just a classic. Nick Diaz, Takanori Gomi. When he was high out, no, when he was on the no contest, high on the no mood, no when contest. he was on the mood, and he walked, he's like he had to do all his interviews with glasses because he couldn't see straight. I, I love that. Goes in there, go go plot as well. Oh my god, that's objectively Maybe. that's objectively that's one of the greatest. Like Mike, remember in BTL when we talked about if you could make a documentary about anything, like anything in MMA, that was the final thing. And I said the last Affliction show, and BT said I don't have an answer, and somehow he still won the round. I changed my answer. <laughs> I changed my I changed my answer. I want a full documentary on Nick Diaz versus Gomi. Full. I I'd want watch. everyone interviewed. A hundred percent. I think Sean has the right answer. Um, yeah, for sure. I will say the, maybe this is kind of recently, but it wasn't, I mean, it's not like it happened yesterday, but the one, the biggest, I love the Misha Tate one. That's a great pick. 
Yuri submitting glove Yuri submitting Glover was the most <laughs> yes. like the loudest I have ever been after watching a submission. That is like where point. I was like where I almost woke my family up. And it wasn't the most mm-hmm. aesthetically pleasing submission, <laughs> or, it was not, but it was just not so insane. And yeah. out of nowhere, after just the wildest fight, one of the wildest fights of all time. Yeah, that was that. That one sticks with me for sure. Even though it's not the most technically savvy submission ever, it just that one sticks with me. I can't remember. Were we doing watch parties when that fight happened? No, we did a no. mic. Oh Sorry. god, that's a missed opportunity. Oh, that's man. the yeah. We started a mic. The, Three months later, that's the only. So on media media row, you guys all, you guys all know there's a lot of bad journalists out there who celebrate and clap and cheer and everything. So I get a lot of flack for I'm just like stone faced the whole time. The Glover Yuri one is the only one where like the the most emotion I show is I like sat back. I was like, damn, but like I didn't change. Like I like when when Yuri tabs Glover, I just went. <laughs> That was my emotion. Like if there's a there's a sky shot, someone in the crowd has a sky shot of Leon kicking Usman in the face, and there's just Jose like this, just dead <laughs> behind the eyes. Just the true pro, true pro yeah, out there. I do my best. I'm no Garrett Day Davies plotting and and coaching Tyron Woodley from Media Row. Straight call out, Jesus. What about you? He he'll, he'll admit it. He talks about it all the time. Oh. uh for just technical <laughs> abilities and athleticism and drama, uh, Demetrius Johnson over Ray Borg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's that great. Was, I mean, technique-wise, that's the greatest thing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, technique. The, the athleticism technique to do that yeah. to a high-level fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that's my favorite. Um, drama-wise, uh, I'm going to go very recent. I'm going to go um, uh, Grosso over Shevchenko. <laughs> just because yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I've seen I've seen the watch party clip so many times of you guys <laughs> watching that and just all the emotions and especially watching Jed's, Jed's face <laughs> just <laughs> like because he goes into so many stages you know like oh it's the stages of grieving oh yeah, oh yeah. she's out oh she's out she's good oh wait she's not good oh and then and then acceptance oh yeah <laughs> I'm that surprised no one's. I'm surprised clip. no one said Anderson Shale. That seems to be like the answer everyone gives. That's a good one too. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah. The DJ one also, is also the, the DJ Carter one was. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. good one too. The the only reason Misha Holly is not talked about more is because the very next fight Nate Diaz taps Connor. Yeah. That's yeah. that's when me and Casey actually met because we had a <laughs> bunch of a bunch of beer being like thrown at us from the Raptors because we had the auxiliary seating and we were just like hiding behind like anything we had while just beer was rained down upon us the the ray borg one is a good call the ray borg i I don't know if this is true i feel like this is true he can tell me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure mr alexander k lu who who is not here who's still on vacation voted that number two for submission of the year that year oh what are we doing i'm gonna find this out what did he what did he vote for i could be totally wrong but i know that somebody did and i think it was him and I, i will never ever forget that that's why he ran yeah, away. That, yeah. Watching that submit, like I didn't even like the reaction to Yuri submitting Glover was much different than the DJ one. The DJ one was like watching Shoni Otani just hit a home run where you're just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like that's how I felt about DJ with that submission. Like, come on, dude. To like, break the record, man. Yeah. To break the damn record. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Well, oh. well, did he voted 
when uh, Brett Johns pulled off the calf slicer, which is a great submission. Which is a great submission. I remember that vividly, but like he voted that number one and Ray Borg losing to Demetrius number. That two. makes no sense. Even, 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 even just from a straight technical standpoint. Now, even, so even be, just, those are the – like I'm looking at all your guys' votes. Everyone relatively had the same top five. Like you all had the same number one except for him, and then like two through five are all like a mis- mix mash. AK Lee had is the only all of the rest of his votes are outside your guys's. He's just an anomaly that year. VK Lee just disappointing us all. In over my best in friend. Game. My best friend. Well, not anymore. Note, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the music. We are done. Uh, we'll be back to answer more questions bright and early tomorrow. Get your coffees ready. 11.30 a.m. Eastern for the People's Pre-Fight Show, and then we'll be back for the post-fight shenanigans after Tommy Aspinall and Martin Tybora get finished doing the damn thing, and then we'll have on to the next one. I have to find a co-host for that, so keep your Slack channels open. You might get a DM for me. So thank you all very much. Appreciate you. For Casey on the ones and two, Shaheen, Jose, I am Mike Keck. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Morning fight. Love yeah. it. listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.